Well, today is Communion Sunday for us. Uh, that, that first Sunday of the month uh, when we typically have a, a shorter message and one that is focused on the Lord's Supper. Uh, in a sense, one that is to, to help set the table for us as we uh, prepare to come and uh, share this meal with one another and with our, with our Lord. And one of the most beautiful and powerful gifts of the Lord's Supper is that it is a visible and tangible expression of friendship. That's right, friendship. It's an invitation to come, to see and believe, to experience the friendship of God in Christ. Now, it's interesting when, when you think about it, it's often hard for us to hold together this idea of majesty and intimacy. I mean, even if you just think back to, to yesterday, a, a coronation, and we expect the royals to be high and lifted up and at a distance, no coming near. And our God is high and lifted up and yet also comes near. And so we have a God that we praise and we worship and a God who also walks with us, side by side, who has come to us. Think about the, the remarkable thing that Jesus spoke in, in John 15 at the Last Supper on the night he was betrayed and handed over to death. Uh, Jesus says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. Well, our text this morning is a, a few chapters later in John's gospel, uh, after uh, the crucifixion and resurrection. Uh, this morning we're going to be in John chapter 21, and we'll be looking specifically at the first 14 verses. So let's pray, and then we'll hear this part of God's word. Well, Lord God, we do thank you for your word uh, and for revealing yourself to us in the pages of the Bible. Uh, we look to you now and ask that you, by the power of your spirit, that you would come near, that you would open our eyes to see, that we might see Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen. And so, John chapter 21, uh, beginning with verse 1, hear the word of God. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said, we will go with you. Then they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Well, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered, no. 
Then he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not even able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so too with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And this is God's word. Well, an amazing story, uh, a very uh, up-close and personal story, and a story that I hope this morning will help us as we prepare uh, to come to this table. And as we, as we walk through the story, we're going to look at it in two parts, uh, setting the scene and a feast of friendship. Now, setting the scene and a feast of friendship. And so we start with setting the scene. Again, this is after the crucifixion and resurrection. Uh, some of the disciples, they have returned home to Galilee. And if you uh, count it, you'll see that there are seven of them all together. Uh, those named we know are from Galilee and presumably the other two as well. Uh, most of these men were fishermen by trade, and now they are back at the Sea of Galilee, uh, also known as the Sea of Tiberias, which is about 70 miles north of Jerusalem. Peter says, I'm going fishing. The others decide to join him, and so they go out. They go out to fish, and they do so at night. And of course, they do this because that's when fish are feeding closer to the surface, so they're easier to catch, and also because the, the fish that you catch at night, you can sell them fresh in the morning. And remember, these guys know what they are doing. They are professional fishermen, and yet this night... They fail miserably. They catch nothing. Now, while it was still pretty dark, uh, it says, verse 4, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Okay, they, they didn't recognize him. Now, this is probably in part because it was still pretty dark, and, and also uh, because they, probably because they weren't expecting to see him either. And so Jesus calls out from the shore, children, haven't you any fish? And actually, the, the, the Greek re reads with a stronger negative here. Uh, what's implied is essentially Jesus is calling out, you don't have any fish, do you? So these 
desperate, discouraged, defeated, probably annoyed disciples yell back, No! So Jesus calls out again, Stop casting the net on the wrong side of the boat, cast it on the right side. Okay, that was my lame attempt at humor. You get a note, don't do that in second service. So seriously, he says, cast the the net on the right side of the boat, and there you will find some. And the disciples do what Jesus says. And immediately, two things happen. They catch a ton of fish, and they recognize that it's Jesus. John exclaims, verse 7, it is the Lord. And then, of course, immediately Peter wraps his cloak around his waist and jumps into the water to swim to shore, to swim to Jesus. Uh, The other disciples, still about 100 yards off, they they slowly begin to, to row this boat back to shore, dragging this huge haul of fish. Obviously, Peter arrives first, and then finally, everyone else makes it back to shore too. And so to everyone's surprise, Jesus has has prepared breakfast for them, and he invites them to eat. And so that's the scene, plain and simple. But of course, there's a whole lot more there. So let's talk about the feast. The feast, and we know that it was a feast because, I mean, look at what the disciples hauled in. Uh, It's clear from John's description that it was an enormous catch of fish. Uh, Usually what fishermen would do is they would haul their nets into the boat and then row. It's a lot easier to row a boat when you are not dragging something behind it. But of course, they can't even get this catch of fish into the boat, and so they've got to drag it along. And of course, these just a few moments ago, these defeated failures are all of a sudden excited, and we see how many fish. They count. They're excited. They're proud. They count 153 fish, and all of them large fish, as John notes. So I I grew up on Lake Lanier. Uh, It's in northeast Georgia, about an hour uh, north of Atlanta. Now, I am no fisherman. Not by any stretch am I a fisherman. Uh, So I do like water sports, but for me, it would typically be uh, water skiing, jet skiing, speedboats, that kind of thing. But there are a lot of real fishermen on Lake Lanier, and so I've seen some pretty big fish. So uh, one of the types of fish that that often folks are are fishing for are largemouth bass. So if you think for just a moment about a five-pound largemouth bass, okay? It's It's a pretty big fish. I mean, it's not super huge, but but it's still pretty big. And so if these 153 large fish, if they weighed weighed anywhere between, say, four to six pounds each, then that means that the disciples hauled in between 600 and 900 pounds of fish. They go from nothing to maybe a thousand pounds of fish. Friends, that's a ton of tuna. And you know, there, there's a lot that we could say. There's a lot that we could say about this enormous catch and, and Jesus' enormous provision. Even looking back to when he fed the disciples at this very same place, 
along with thousands and thousands of others at the feeding of the 5,000. But the real focus of this passage, of this story, is really on what the meal represents. Because not only is it a feast, but it is a feast of friendship. In this story, we see that Jesus desires deep, abiding friendship with his disciples, which means that he desires deep, abiding friendship with you. Now, we learn about friendship with God uh, from Jesus himself. Again, back in, uh, in John uh, chapter 15, which I referenced uh, in my intro. And here in chapter 21, Jesus wants to drive home his desire for ongoing, continual communion, a fellowship, relationship. And so Jesus invites the disciples to come and have breakfast. Now, to, to really understand what, what's happening here, I mean, we've got to remember that sharing meals together for them in that day, that it was, it was a big deal in their culture. Okay, it actually has a name. It was known as table fellowship. You know, for, for us today, we, we're often, we have casual and quick meals. Maybe that's at home, could be in a restaurant. But, but so much of the time, what we do is we have these, these food events when we're hungry or we know we've got to eat so that we can then get on to the important stuff, Right? But in their culture, this was the important stuff. In this culture, eating with others was a symbol of relationship. It was a pledge of friendship. And here, we get a glimpse into the depth of this friendship in a very small but important detail given by John. So did you notice what the very first thing that the disciples see when they get to shore? First thing they saw. Take a look. Verse 9. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire. A charcoal fire. There are only two times that a charcoal fire is mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, here in chapter 21 of John's Gospel, and also back in chapter 18. And you might be able to guess, if you don't remember exactly, what was happening there. Back in, in chapter 18, Peter was warming himself by a charcoal fire while Jesus was on trial. Peter was warming himself by a charcoal fire when he denied Jesus three times. When he declared, I have no idea who this man is. He is no friend of mine. Well, here in chapter 21, Jesus invites Peter to return to the scene, so to speak, so that he can learn what true friendship really is. To learn that he is truly forgiven, loved, and accepted. Because think about it for a moment. Peter jumped out of the boat, right? He jumped out. He swam. He clearly got there before the other disciples. And though we don't have any record of it, Peter and Jesus obviously had a few moments together, just the two of them, 
which would have been the first time that it was just the two of them uh, since Peter had denied Jesus. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus doesn't deny Peter. In fact, it's the opposite. Jesus welcomes him, embraces him as a friend. Well, brothers and sisters, so it is for us. Jesus gladly welcomes you and me in the very same way. He is not surprised by our sin, just as he wasn't surprised by Peter's. And he continually invites us, despite our struggles, our brokenness, despite our denials of him, he continually invites us to step toward him who is continually stepping toward us. To come to him that we might be embraced by him who is our maker, defender, redeemer, and friend. Again, Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. And I have called you friends. Jesus laid down his life for you. He rose from the dead for you. He lives in you, who by faith, who have put your trust in him. And he invites you to come and have breakfast. To come, take, and eat. It's an invitation to deep, abiding friendship. And that's the invitation extended to us here at this table. A table for the friends of Jesus. For those who have looked to him for the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God. And if that describes you, and you're a part of a local church that proclaims this good news, then this meal is for you. It's a feast of friendship. And Jesus says, come, taste, and see.